Welcome back to our fifth episode of the Tech London Advocates Young Entrepreneurs Podcast, collating a snapshot of the global tech scene from a young entrepreneur's perspective. Today we're joined by Sam Kemp from Imel. To start off with Sam, could you give us your route into tech, your personal journey? Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. Um, so I'm one of the founders and the chief investment officer here at Imo, and we set the business up about five years ago. But I've now been in the real estate space in total for probably about 16, 17 years. Um, before real estate, though, I, I did a degree in industrial design. I didn't really know what I wanted to do post um, after school, so I just did what I enjoyed and went to a sports university to study design. So I, I played a lot of sports and did a lot of colouring in for three years, which I joke about. So it wasn't the most academic um, start to my career, but I then I sort of fell into the world of real estate and somehow really enjoyed it. Um, I did the corporate world for about 12 years. I always knew that ultimately I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial, but you know, realities of life had to make some money and, um, you know, cover certain costs and bills um, but then when the time was right I left the corporate world to do my MBA at London Business School and it was whilst I was at London Business School I met um, one of our founding investors um, through various network alumni and was introduced to my, my now co-founders and, and we set up the business five years ago. Can you tell us a bit more about Imo and their unique approach to real estate? Yeah sure so um, so Imo is, is a tech company. It's a tech-driven um, investment management business that specifically focuses on the residential market. Um, the thesis being that, so within, within the investment world, institutions typically often um, invest large amounts into real estate. And over recent years, they've been specifically interested in focusing um, on residential as an investment because it's a very resilient, low-risk asset class. It has a lot of social um, impact benefits and that it can contribute towards society as well. Um, however, institutions are typically only able to access what's called build-to-rent, which is where the whole block is being built from scratch and then rented out, or buying whole blocks um, that are, are being rented out. Now, that makes up less than 2% of the residential market, and it's the biggest asset class in the world and yet they're only able to focus on you know, targeting 2%. The 98% of this market is all the individual flats and houses that actually the majority of us live in. But because of the granularity and the dispersed nature of it, it's been you know, incredibly inefficient and impractical for institutions to be able to aggregate these sorts of units and then manage them at scale. So that's where we come in. We use our technology, we develop the technology across the entire value chain to be able to remove those inefficiencies and therefore unlock this asset class. So everything from how we source the assets to how we renovate them, bring them up to a grand standard, rent them out, do the property management and then do all the sort of financial portfolio management around it. Um, we're doing that with technology as much as possible and data analytics and things like that to 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 be able to unlock this asset class for institutions. And the benefit of being responsible capital into this space as well is that there is far too much existing housing stock that is substandard mm. for people. Typically, consumers, um, when it comes to renting their home, they get a poor product, 
and a terrible service from either their landlords or their managing agents. And that, to us, makes absolutely no sense in this day and age. Why is it that you can go get a coffee for two or three pounds and in general you're getting a consistent product and a consistent service? Yes, at the opposite end of the spectrum, for the largest cost of people's um, you know, lives every single month, they're getting the total opposite experience. They're getting a substandard product and a substandard service. So by bringing responsible capital to the table, we want to completely change that. We want to deliver better quality housing stock to people and deliver a 21st century um, experience for people. Yeah, I really admire that about Imo, sort of not just opening up that market, but also looking to make it really sort of socially sustainable. I understand that your investment journey is quite unique yeah. as well. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So we, we were very fortunate. Um, we had, so our one of our founding investors was essentially um, sort of a large angel investor. He had very strong relationships with VCs already because he had a strong track record of um, working with, um, with various very successful startups already. So we came together as a team and we had quite a large amount of seed funding in place from the VC already and quite a few high-profile angel investors as a result. Um, so we had funding from day one, which was very, very fortunate, and that allowed us to focus on building the business um, and not have to worry too much about you know, fundraising at the beginning. Obviously, the money runs out pretty quickly, so we did still have to go out and, and do the fundraise within a couple of years. And we've now, we did the Series A, and we were very fortunate our Series A closed just before COVID hit. And then we completed our Series B um, just after Christmas as well, and we were very fortunate with the timing then as well because that closed just before all the, um, you know, the, the crisis with Russia and Ukraine kicked off as well, and obviously that's hugely affected the market. So we were very, very fortunate and lucky with our timings. But we've now, you know, now that we've done our Series B, we have enough runway um, to cover us for the next couple of years, and um, we don't have to worry too much about that at the moment. And in your Series B, you became Europe's largest prop tech investment as well with 75 million? Yes, yes. That's incredible. Yeah. So amazing. Thank you. Could, you. could you tell us a bit about how else young entrepreneurs can access these funding and investment opportunities? Yeah, sure. I think, um, so it's really important to understand as well when, when investors, whether they're VCs or whether they're angel investors, when they're making these early stage investments, um, they're essentially backing the people. They're hoping, the, they're hoping those people have a good idea, but they're ultimately backing the people. It doesn't matter how fantastic your idea is, if they don't believe in the people behind the idea, they will never back it. You can have an incredible idea, but people who will never be able to execute on it, or you could have an average idea, but incredibly smart people, and you will still be able to get funding for it because the investors will have confidence that those incredibly smart people will be able to figure it out and will be able to pivot the idea and make it successful. So I think making sure that you have the strongest, <clears throat> excuse me, making sure that you've got the strongest team in place, um, whether that's your co-founders, um, or whether even that's your advisory board that you assemble around you, I think that is probably one of the most important things for um, young entrepreneurs to think about when they're going out to get funding. Because 
by the very nature, a young entrepreneur doesn't have much experience in terms of, um, you know, a professional career. And that's fine, you know, and that's, you know, that shouldn't necessarily be holding them back. But I think it's very important for people to be humble about that, to recognize it, and then understand how they're going to fill those gaps. You know, to set up a tech company, you don't need to be a techie. You need to have access to tech talent. You need to have access either whether it's you have a co-founder or, um, you know, someone who's coming in senior into your business who is a techie or has a strong tech background, or you have, you know, advisors who have strong tech backgrounds and can advise you around that space. So you need to make sure you've got your gaps covered. And I think if you can show, if young entrepreneurs can show that they've had that foresight and that maturity to understand that and understand what goes into building a business, because that's what it's about. It's about building a business. It's not just building an idea. It's building a business that you're ultimately trying to do. So, um, yeah, I think people would be particularly impressed um, if you're if, if you're able to demonstrate that. Um, you can then go into either incubators or accelerators. Accelerators will probably get, be more proactive and hands-on in terms of the types of um, the, the sort of advice and steering and structure they're able to give. But you know, accelerators typically they have you know programs that you apply to, so you've got to pitch to them. You've got to you've got to get onto the program. But if you get onto the program, you're going to have a lot more structure um, that way. And and incubators as well to a degree, but definitely the accelerators they can offer up um, you know introductions to investors whether it's early stage VCs or whether it's angel investors so I think those are some of the good routes to go down um, especially as a young entrepreneur where you wouldn't necessarily have run a business before you don't know exactly what you're doing even even people who have had careers for 10 years benefit from going into accelerators often because they haven't done a startup before. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of benefits, I think, from perhaps trying to go down those sorts of routes um, where you can get as much advice and coaching as possible to, to sort of really set you up for success as much as possible. Yeah, and you've talked a bit about how, I guess, that early stage investment then leads into the next ones as well. Yeah. It's really important to have that base and to have that team around you. And going into accelerators and incubators is, is a good way of accessing investment. Are there any other routes? Uh, I mean, you could go down the friends and family yeah, of course, uh, yeah. routes. Where it, those networks. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it doesn't mean that you have to take a fresh idea and take it straight into an accelerator. Or, you know, you can you can start bootstrapping an idea together and, um, you know, start testing your MVPs, your minimum viable products. You can. You, there's lots of things you can do without significant amounts of investment you know if you've you know it's so cheap to be able to put together a website and you know to be able to start pushing things out and testing it and getting feedback from people um so i think you know with any idea one of the huge risks for an entrepreneur is being stuck in your own bubble and not actually figuring out what the product market fit is and taking on that feedback either you know from advisors from you know friends from family from other potential customers you know there's so much benefit from starting to put together an idea create that mvp and start testing it start getting feedback start understanding what works what doesn't work it doesn't mean that you have to take on all the feedback you know with with any new idea you will have a lot of people who just 
you know, you often have the extremes, you know, you often have people just go, oh, I love it, it's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And that's nice, and that's good for your ego, but that doesn't actually particularly help you very much. Um, you know, what you actually want to listen to are the people who are critiquing it and criticizing it. And there will be some people who just are quite unhelpful in their criticism, and you can probably just ignore those. But then there will be a large number of people who will, um, you know, who will give feedback that is potentially negative, and, but you need to kind of, you need to be able to be um, objective and resilient enough to weed through all of that feedback and still try to understand and take out the learnings from that and figure out, you know, how you can start to adjust and um, shape your idea to make it appeal to more people. So, um, you know, I think being able to demonstrate that you've been through that process as well, you've taken, you've created your MVP, you've started testing it, you've started taking on feedback, you've been making adjustments, you're starting, you're on your way to figuring out what that product market fit is. I think that will also um, aid a lot of conversations when it comes to, um, you know, funding and, and investment. People will see that you've actually started something and, you know, you're, you have the ingredients to be starting to develop this business further. Really crucial to that is listening to feedback mm. and you know positive feedback doesn't give the whole picture does it no it's nice for you ego yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good on the days when you're feeling a bit down everything you're feeling like oh it's not working out and you need a bit of that ego boost so you know definitely keep some of those people around but don't surround yourself by yes people yeah like that's so so important throughout your entire career you should never be surrounding yourself with yes people because ultimately they will not help push you and drive you um, in the ways that um, to make you or your product or your business or your idea better. As a successful female co-founder, have you got any messages for other young female entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, so it's it's definitely it's, it's durable, and obviously the statistics aren't particularly helpful and can be a little bit depressing sometimes um, when you look at them. But I think if if you do want to set up a business. Um, you should know that it is it's totally possible um, one thing to in particular I think that's particularly helpful to be able to ride that journey is to make sure that you create your network of other female founders as well um, because you know just you know being very open about it, there, there are challenges out there for women um, race, when it comes to fundraising. There are still biases, unfortunately. There are still prejudices, um, and that's not going to change overnight. But there are plenty of other women who've been through that process who have figured it out, who figured out who the right investors are to work with, who the right angels are um, to, to, to be getting funding from, um, and ha you know have, have wisdom to share about how to navigate that landscape. So... I think starting to build your network of other female entrepreneurs um, is really important. And that's really actually a really fantastic thing about female entrepreneurs. They are so willing, all the, all the ones I met, are so willing to help other female entrepreneurs and, and help them figure out that journey. Um, you know, I'm on some WhatsApp groups of other female founders. There's some really great other um, organizations that exist, networking events. So I think definitely reach out to those and, and start to build your um, build your network because they will you know they'll essentially be on tap um, to you for whenever you have any challenges that you're trying to figure out and they'll all be all always can pretty much guarantee they will always be willing to help okay. 
And I've got two more specific questions sure. that we've asked everyone so far. Okay, let's go for it. The first one is, what are the key barriers facing young entrepreneurs in particular? So, I think there's there's probably two key things. There's um, some of what I was mentioning before, which is experience. You know, as as a young entrepreneur, you um, you know there's there's a lot of experience um, and just sort of understanding how to navigate the business world that young entrepreneurs don't have, which is why I was saying it's so important to try and build your advisory team around you. Um, you know, people to advise you that you can lean on um, and that can really help you navigate um, navigate that scene. But then on the plus side, I think there is a huge benefit to also being quite naive about this. And I, and I say this about myself as well, like when we set up the business, even though I was in my 30s already, I'm actually quite glad. I, I was relatively naive about what went into setting up a business. And probably thank goodness, because it's so hard. If people knew how difficult it was going to be, you often, um, maybe not as many people would, would set up businesses. Um, it's also incredibly important that people are resilient. Because like I was saying, there's going to be a lot of negative feedback, a lot of criticism to the ideas. There's going to be lots of, you know, there are definitely high days, but there will definitely be low days. And, um, you know, you need to have that resilience to be able to pull you through. Um, so that's very important. Um, I think another big factor is that's holding back young entrepreneurs is 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 funding. Um, and there's there's just a reality of life that unless you're going to stay at home and you know live rent free and your parents are able to you know subsidize you for you know indefinitely there is the reality that you need to make money yeah. and often you know and at the beginning of the entrepreneur journey you you can't take a salary you or, or you're taking a minimal salary if you have got funding already um you know and life is expensive that's just that it's just the reality um so you also need to be in the right life stage to be able to make those sacrifices you know if if you've got three kids that you need to feed and you've got to pay rent you know it unfortunately it's not particularly viable to be going like setting up a business and trying to do that I mean and there are phenomenal people that somehow managed to do it right and you know kudos to them and they're absolutely incredible phenomenal but that is that is not the norm um, so I think you need to make sure that you are in a financially resilient space whether that's you've worked for a number of years and you've got savings yourself that allow you to make those choices to step back and not earn so much money for potentially a few years whilst you're setting up the business or you know maybe you fortunately have um you know you you know have family that can help support you or if there's you know are there funding programs out there that can you know support young entrepreneurs um, you know financially as well to, to help bridge that gap um, but then at the same time like I was saying often young people they don't have those life responsibilities like you know you don't have I don't, you might not have the mortgage or you know three kids that you need to feed so you know you are also able to have a bit more flexibility earlier in your life to be able to take some of those risks um, but I think it's really it, it, it is you know everyone has to be very honest about where they are in their life 
and what their financial requirements are and what their commitments are because the entrepreneurial journey it is you know you see lots of these incredible success stories and you know everyone really hopes that you know as an entrepreneur you will have that big success story but there will be many years of where you are grafting really really hard and the financial benefits are not coming through yet so i think people just need to be quite open to that reality as well okay so those key barriers are sort of that experience linked to having a network as well as right. a young entrepreneur which you've got to develop uh also having that resilience because you're going to face going to face blocks in yes. your road you know you've got to be able to overcome those and also in terms of investment you know the reality of life you've got to pay the bills and that side of things and that could be quite challenging to go on an entrepreneurial journey at the same time correct my final question to you today is what are the key characteristics of a successful young entrepreneur? So I think definitely having a touch of naivety is uh, is is helpful. But like I said, it, that that's not just for young entrepreneurs; that's any entrepreneur, right? Um, I think having the resilience, being humble to receive feedback, being able to take that feedback objectively without taking it too personally, um, continuing to have hunger and drive every day, and and being able to see that big picture and that vision and continuing to, you know, be able to motivate and inspire yourself. Because like I said, there's going to be a lot of people who won't necessarily get your idea. Um, and they will only get it or understand it further down the line. You know, once they've started to see a bit of success and then they'll be like, Oh yeah, of course it makes sense. <laughs> I was trying to tell you that years ago. Um, so you need to really believe, in what you're doing and maintain that hunger but like I said always stay open and humble to the feedback so that you're able to shape that product market fit but um all of those characteristics I've just listed they're not I don't they're not specific to young entrepreneurs it's just entrepreneurs in general it doesn't matter if you're 45 or if you're 18 um, all of those characteristics um, apply um, I think it's, you know, the benefit as well of having, of being younger is that you don't have all these legacy biases that, um, you know, someone who's been working in a corporate career for 20 years will typically have a lot of legacy um, and biases and just be very corporate and now become very corporate in their nature and not necessarily always able to think as big picture and creatively and challenging the system and all those sorts of things. So, you know, as a, as a young entrepreneur, you're, you don't have those, um, almost those, those shackles, which often come when you've been in the corporate world for so many years and your brain has been trained to think in a certain way. Um, so there's a lot of freedom, I think, that young entrepreneurs have in, in their the, the way they're able to approach problems and approach business and, and think about how to solve um, tomorrow's challenges. So it's a very, yeah, hopefully it's a very exciting time for young entrepreneurs as well. In a nutshell, could you tell us your top three characteristics? Sure. So I think number one is being hungry. You have to want it. It's so, starting up a business is so hard. You have to want it and you have to have that continuous hunger and drive. I think the second characteristic would be resilience. Um, you've got to be resilient. You're going to have so, there will be some highs, but there will be a lot of lows as well. And you've got to be able to take those knocks. You've got to be able to take that um, negative or um, 
constructive feedback um, and be able to take it objectively, not take it personally, and take the benefits out of that feedback to be able to develop and, and shape um, your product or your idea. And then the third one is, is being humble. Um, I think, you know, that goes with what I, goes with the previous point of constantly seeking feedback, knowing that you haven't got all the answers, knowing that you need to create a team around you who will be able to help you plug those gaps and will be able to help you figure out um, the, the, the answers to the, to the questions that you just got no idea how to begin solving. Um, and then sprinkled on all of that is a touch of naivety, I think it's, it's, it's helpful for everyone to sort of have a little bit of naivety because, you know, just to maintain that, partly that resilience as well, I think, to, to continue striving forward and um, not being overwhelmed by the prospects of, of what you're trying to do, which is it's madness. Like setting up a business and being an entrepreneur is a mad journey. There is, yeah. there is no, no, no two ways about it. It's complete madness. But it is an incredible journey um, if, it, if it's the right journey for you. Um, so I think it's very important for people as well to be self-reflective and understand if this is the right journey for them. It isn't for everyone, but if it is for you, it's incredible. So that's having the hunger, being resilient, being humble, and sprinkling a bit of naivety on the top. Correct, yes. Sam, thanks so much for providing an amazing, amazing insight on the podcast today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.